Hello, and welcome to episode 42 of The Jared White Show, recorded October 23rd, 2019. I'm your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. There is so much Facebook news in the news this week. (laughs) Uh, And uh, it's been a little while since I went on a Facebook rant, so it seemed like the time is now. Uh, But before we dive right into all of that, uh, just a couple of announcements here, because I'm always really bad about talking about this kind of thing. Uh, So I just want to do it up front here. The first announcement here is, uh, as you may know, or as you may not know, in which case now you will know, (laughs) uh, I have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash essentiallifejared. So if you just go to that address, patreon.com slash essentiallifejared, you can become a financial backer for this show. Yes, that's right. You can become part of the infrastructure that keeps this show going. And you get special perks depending on the tier that you pick. So the top tier, which of course you should pick, (laughs) uh, actually gives you direct access to my brain, essentially. So any sort of interesting project you're trying to get going on the web, whether that's a blog or setting up your own storage system or Maybe you want to tinker around with a with a Linux server of your own, and you're not sure what to do first, uh, or or you already have a website going, and you want to link it to one thing or another, and string a solution together for a problem you're trying to solve on the web. Whatever it might be, uh, you can ask me questions. You can get access to my infinite wisdom across the multiverse of web technology. (laughs) I have no idea why I did an evil laugh there. (laughs) I think I've been watching too much Flash. Uh, Arrow and Flash are back on TV, and uh, I'm geeking out over there. Anyway, patreon.com slash essentiallifejared, and uh, become a supporter of this show. And if you're not able to do that right now financially, that is fine too. The show will always be free to all, uh, but it really helps to uh, to get financial support because uh, working on the show takes time, and that's time that I could otherwise be uh, investing into my my business as a web designer, in which I actually make money. <laughs> uh, so, in that sense, it costs money to run this show. Uh, so, anything that you can do to help me out there is greatly appreciated. Uh, And the next announcement real quick here is I have a newsletter. If you go to jaredwhite.com and click follow, you can subscribe to the Mark Up This newsletter. Uh, It's a free newsletter, and it just uh, keeps you updated whenever I put out new videos, new podcast episodes, or new blog posts. So uh, jaredwhite.com, click follow, and you'll be subscribed to the Mark Up This newsletter. All right, with all that out of the way, it's time to talk about Facebook. Facebook, Facebook. So uh, I'm going to start with a bit of good news because I'm usually pretty hard on Facebook. And this time, Facebook has done something actually pretty nice. Uh, Facebook has pledged to spend 
up to $1 billion. That's right, folks. $1 billion is going to go towards addressing California's affordable housing crisis. And to put this in perspective, uh, over the summer, the median rent for a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco got all the way up to $3,720 a month. So if you're one of those lucky few who has a job that can, <laughs> that can help you afford a one-bedroom apartment for $3,720 a month, good for you. But for the rest of the planet, that is insanity. And, uh, and if you actually want to purchase a single-family home, it would cost you $1.7 million. So, yeah, San Francisco and other nearby locales such as Palo Alto and Mountain View, uh, it, is, it is crazy pants to try to afford anything there, uh, which is why Facebook is going to spend some of their hard-earned dollars <laughs> to uh, do something about it. And good for Facebook. Uh, Google has also made a similar pledge to put a, a large pile of cash uh, and uh, throw that at the problem here. Um, and it's good because uh, in not all, but in many respects, uh, companies such as Facebook and Google are the reason that it is so insanely expensive to live in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And for them to uh, to actually put some of that money that they've made in tech back into solving the problems created by the tech industry, that's a really good thing. So, uh, so kudos to Facebook. They are doing something good. Uh, and that's about it. <laughs> that's about it for the, for the good part of the show. Uh, now on to the less good part of the show. Uh, oh, by the way, I should mention um, there are uh, links in the show notes uh, to all the things I'm talking about here. Uh, I basically am just linking to The Verge for everything because they've been doing a great job reporting on Facebook. Uh, so uh, so check that out. Um, there's a link in the show notes about the, uh, the one billion Facebook is spending on affordable housing. Uh, and the next two main topics, uh, there are similar links. Uh, so this next topic is uh, Mark Zuckerberg Ah, uh, where was this? He he made a big speech. Georgetown University. Yeah, he uh, he was at Georgetown University. Uh, big speech there, kind of talking about his thoughts on on free expression, on uh, on values, and sort of pitting the United States and China against each other, and asking us all. What values do we want in our discourse? Are we going to support American values of free speech and free expression, or are we going to go the China route and start censoring everything we don't like? And, you know, virtually anyone on the planet making the case here for free speech, I would be applauding. But Mark Zuckerberg is not the right guy. <laughs> to make this case because he fundamentally misunderstands what it is people are up in arms about. People are not upset because you can go onto Facebook and write out something that is controversial. That's not what people are upset about. People are upset about Facebook 
being a ubiquitous platform that everyone is forced to use because of its size, because of the network effects. That's where the audience is, so that's where the advertisers go. And the advertisers are on Facebook paying money to Facebook, a commercial entity, not a public utility, a commercial corporate entity. These advertisers are paying Facebook to disseminate information to Facebook's massive audience, and much of that information is false. That is what the problem is. The problem is not Joe Schmo, Mr. Troll, going onto his personal Facebook account and saying, I think Hillary Clinton has the most disgusting hairdo in the world. Like, nobody cares. That, that's not what the problem is here. <laughs> nobody cares if some troglodyte in Arizona is on Facebook spouting off about migrant rapists or whatever. That's not what the problem is. The problem is that Facebook, as a commercial entity, not a public utility, just just a corporate, you know, Facebook Inc. or, you know, whatever whatever their, their official legal title is as a corporate entity, uh, they are getting paid to disseminate information that is false. And so, you know, there, there's, there's a couple problems here. Uh, one is just the, the, the sheer size and scale of Facebook. You know, if Facebook was just a platform with a modest number of users, and there were plenty of other platforms to use, and you know all these different social networking platforms were were you know competing in a healthy ecosystem against each other. Uh, there'd be, I think, there'd be a lot less concern because you know you, you if you don't like the 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 kind of discourse, the kind of tone you get on Facebook, you could just go elsewhere. Um, and we're actually going to talk about such a notion later on, so so put a pin in that, but. Right now, that's not the world we live in. The world we live in is that, quote-unquote, everybody is on Facebook. And so that means that everybody is getting fed information that is either true or false. So if, if some shady advertiser that's really a, a shell company for, for Russian, <laughs> uh, Russian uh, you know, agents trying to influence our election here in the U.S., and, and th- these ads are you know, saying nonsense about Elizabeth Warren or or Pete Buttigieg, or whoever, uh, uh, you know. The problem here is that Facebook has an obligation to police the kind of content that is being uh, fed into their platform from uh, bad actors uh, because of their size. It is because of their size. You know, again, if if Facebook just had a few, you know, a few hundred thousand users on it or a million users and there are 20 other networks that people could use here in the U.S. and Facebook was just one of many, uh, you know, it would be such such a, a lesser problem than it is. So, you know, so Mark Zuckerberg can can get up on his on his little pulpit there <laughs> and say, rah, rah for free expression. Let's celebrate American values. The, the problem isn't American values. The problem is Facebook is too damn big. I was almost going to use a harsher language there, but uh, I'm trying to keep the show more or less G-rated. <laughs> Facebook's too big. It is too influential just because of the fact that it has such a massive network, such a massive audience that is beholden to Facebook as a company. And um, 
and you know because of because of that size uh any any kind of misinformation that gets pumped into this network just has massive reach and uh facebook has an obligation as a corporate entity not a public utility to do something about it that that has nothing to do with with public discourse public discourse in general yeah, of course we want to celebrate free speech. Of course we want to celebrate, you know, uh, uh, people people having the right to to you know form an opinion and discuss it, even if that opinion is totally offensive and bonkers. <laughs> but that th- that is that is a concept that is applicable across all methods of expression, whether you're you know whether you're at a uh, get together downtown at a park, or whether you're, you know, logging onto the internet to say something to your friends, uh, you should have the the uh, ability to do that. But uh, but that internet is increasingly not the internet that we all knew back in the in the late '90s, early 2000s, where you know anyone could set up a forum or a news group or or what have you, and people could have discourse however weird however offensive uh, now everyone is getting stuck on a single website facebook.com it's just one website everybody is on one website which is not how the web was supposed to be built this is not how the web was envisioned that that everyone would be going to a single domain facebook.com and talking there and so we we are in we are in a uh, we're in a moment here when it comes to communication online that is somewhat analogous to the moment in the mid '90s when, if you used a computer, that computer ran software by Microsoft. Yes, that's right, folks. I'm going all the way back to <laughs> the days of the evil Microsoft Empire uh, when Slash Dot showed uh, avatars of of Bill Gates looking like he was part of the Borg. <laughs> Borg, Bill Gates, uh, evil empire. Uh, see, the problem was that, you know, a healthy computing landscape would be such that people were using uh, computers and devices and, and platforms from a variety of different vendors. And, and, you know, may the best computer vendor win as far as features goes and whatnot. Um, but uh, that was no longer the case. There was essentially a market where Microsoft controlled and dictated what was a PC. And even though there were a number of different PC manufacturers, uh, hardware-wise, they all had to uh, kowtow to whatever Microsoft wanted to do with Windows, and they had to pay the Windows tax to get Windows onto their computers. And Microsoft uh, penalized any PC manufacturer that tried to use an operating system that was not Microsoft Windows. So if you were Dell or Compaq or whoever back in the mid-90s and you didn't want to just sell Windows PCs, you wanted to sell Linux PCs and BOS PCs and, I don't know, whatever was else was around at the time, uh, you were penalized financially and possibly even in other ways, not getting the, the, the latest Microsoft goodies that would be granted to you. Uh, you were penalized for, um, for trying to uh, offer those other products. Uh, so, so that was a big problem. And, uh, you know, 
thankfully, the government, the U.S. government, stepped in and said, hey, there's some problems here with what you're doing, Microsoft. And uh, they went after, you know, the whole uh, Internet Explorer squashing Netscape angle and other things. And even though in the end, Microsoft didn't actually get broken up, uh, there was regulation around what Microsoft could do in terms of how they sell, how they sold Windows and what they bundled with Windows. Uh, and that uh, made for a fair computer landscape. And we're in the same time here with online communication. There needs to be regulation not to squash free speech. <laughs> That's not the, the real problem here. The, the regulation needs to be around uh, not letting a single company, such as Facebook, control all discourse online, which then means that uh, that that single network is highly vulnerable to bad actors. And that's what we've seen. Good news is there is regulation coming, and that is the next major bit of news here. There is actually a, uh, a bit of legislation that is being worked on in the Senate, and it's called the Augmenting Compatibility and Competition by Enabling Service Swishing. Service Swishing? Service switching. <laughs> Let me read that again. The augmenting compatibility and competition by enabling service switching, otherwise known as Access Act. So the Access Act would lay out rules that apply to large communication platforms. In other words, platforms with uh, upwards of 100 million monthly users so these large communications platforms, such as Facebook, such as Instagram, such as Twitter, uh, maybe Pinterest, all of these platforms would need to not only let you move your personal data from one platform to another, if you so choose, and that's actually something that's already being worked on. That There, there already is an effort uh, by all these companies uh, which is a good one that's called uh, the Data Transfer Project. Uh, but it's not just about exporting, it's about interop. So interoperability between social networks. And this is where it gets really interesting, folks, because interoperability, or what many of us have started to call federation in social networking, is the idea that person A on server A can follow person B on server B, and now that person A can get updates from person B. And if person B wants to follow person A back, they can do so, and now you have two different servers, possibly running completely different software, talking to each other. Now, that sounds just like basic networking, right? Hey, user on this server can talk to user on that server. <laughs> isn't that just like the internet and networking and like <laughs> this is not a novel concept but for some bizarre reason it has become novel in the world of modern social networking it has become uh you know this sort of like pie in the sky of like oh my gosh wouldn't it be amazing if two different people on two different servers running different software can talk to each other whoa that that the the fact that is that is even an interesting idea right now 
is is truly sad when it comes to the evolution of the internet. But that is the world we live in, where the, to 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 suggest such a thing is is a big deal. Um, and this isn't the first time we've ended up in this situation either. I mean, back in the in the era of of uh, when when the first wave of instant messaging products came out, you had ICQ, you had AOL, uh, AOL's service, AIM. Uh, you had these different instant messaging apps come out, uh, and uh, shockingly, they we're not talking to each other. This was like one of the first times when you were in a situation where, you know, one person might be using ICQ and one person might be using AIM and one person might be using MSN, uh, Microsoft's messaging product, uh, and you couldn't message your friends on these different messaging networks. Uh, And a bunch of geeks rightly got upset about that and developed protocols for instant messaging uh, of that era. And uh, and clients came out where uh, you could essentially, you know, load up your third party client and uh, see your accounts on a variety of these different services and interact with these different services. Um, So, you know, wave after wave happens here with commercial entities trying to create their own proprietary networks on top of the Internet and bypassing the open web as it's meant to be open. Uh, and uh, it's it's been a problem, you know, over and over again. But the problem we have here with Facebook and Twitter is is just dire. It's it's a it's a massive massive problem that these networks have so much control over all online communication. But this Access Act would potentially change all that. It would mandate that uh, social networks, these these large large platforms. Uh, have the ability to um, let users communicate across networks. It doesn't really say how. It, it, it basically uh, has language that, that mandates uh, government uh, research into how this could happen, um, possibly bringing in you know, a, a, a national standards body such as NIST, which is uh, short for National Institute of Standards and Technology, so, uh, so NIST could come up potentially with a some kind of technical standard for this interoperability. Um, I think the the more they can utilize what's already out there, such as the Activity Pub uh, spec, which is what Mastodon and many other platforms are now using, like that. Uh, the the closer they can get to what is uh, prior art, the better. I don't know why they would need to develop something from scratch. Um, but, uh, but this could be huge. This could be huge because it means that if you're on Facebook and you want to follow folks on Twitter, you could do that. Or if you are on your own Mastodon server and you want to follow some people on Twitter or some public, uh, entities on Facebook, you know, maybe, uh, maybe there's a Facebook page from someone you admire and you want to follow their updates. Uh, you could do so from your own service. You would not need to actually be logged into Facebook using a Facebook account to get those public updates. Um, I think it gets trickier when we talk about, you know, these sort of more private groups and private friend relationships, uh, how that would work is, and how that would, you know, protect privacy in the process uh, is, is a big unknown. But, um, you know, with the right APIs, with the right security, you know, encrypted keys and 
you know, various technologies that, uh, that we have, you know, I, I, this, this can be a solved problem and it's just a matter of will and, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter do not have the will. <laughs> they, they are not going to want this because, uh, you know, if I can use my own Mastodon open source software server, as I do at openweb.social, go there and sign up. You can use Mastodon too. Uh, if, if I can just log into my own openweb.social server running Mastodon and follow folks that I like on Twitter from my own server, I don't have to log into Twitter to do so. I don't have to be on Twitter. I don't have to have any account on Twitter if I don't want to. I can use my own service, but I can still follow people and reply to their tweets and whatnot. Uh, if that were possible, if that was a thing, then uh, it, it would dramatically change the, the landscape here because uh, these companies would, would no longer have an iron grip on their user base. You know, their user base would, would truly choose to use their products over other products instead of using it because they're forced to. I, I basically use Twitter because I'm forced to use it. You know, my options are use Twitter, you know, have an account on Twitter and use Twitter to be able to follow people I want to follow on Twitter. Or don't. Like, those are the two options. I have no other option. I cannot follow people on Twitter from another service of my choice. Uh, and that's just hugely aggravating. Um, and, you know, same deal with Facebook and Instagram. You know, I can't uh, communicate with my friends unless I have accounts on those services that my friends are on. I'm forced to use those services against my will, basically, if I have any hope of communicating with those people I want to communicate with. Uh, that's just super frustrating. Um, but this Access Act could change that. Um, there's an interesting quote here in the article I linked to on The Verge about this. Uh, it's actually from the creator of Mastodon, Yunjin Rocco. And he's, you know, he, he's saying, uh, saying here, the, the, the main challenge, so this is, this is a quote from, from him, the main challenge facing Mastodon and other decentralized social media platforms is the network effect. In other words, can I talk to my existing friends on this platform? I often get asked if it's possible to have an app where you can follow Twitter users from a Mastodon account, which right now is, of course, not possible. So that's interesting that, that he, he directly acknowledges, uh, Eugen directly acknowledges that, uh, you know, that Mastodon has this, you know, massive upward climb uh, to, to get adoption, uh, virtu you know, almost entirely hanging on the fact that you can't uh, follow the people you're already following when you join a Mastodon server. So, you know, no matter how awesome Mastodon is feature-wise, no matter what you can do with it, no matter what it offers as a product, simply the fact that you can't follow people you already follow when you join Mastodon, uh, that is a major barrier to entry. And that has been the, the big problem for years now with these proprietary social networks. You know, early, in the early days when Facebook and Twitter had... had more or less open APIs to, you know, where other third-party applications could, you know, access the, the social graphs on these services, uh, you actually did have competing social networks rise. And they would actually have a button saying, you know, log into your Facebook account and we'll find all your friends here on our platform. 
Uh, and that started to work. That act was actually working for a few different uh, products. Uh, I remember when Path first came out as a cool little mobile-first social network. Uh, you could, um, you know, you could find all the people on Path that you already knew from Facebook or Twitter if if they were on Path. Uh, but after a little while, when Facebook and Twitter, you know, realized, oh, <laughs> these competing products are using quote unquote our social graph to uh, bootstrap their social graphs, uh, they shut it down. They they blocked API access. They shut it all down. They said you can't do that. And uh, and they they just you know unilaterally killed the idea that uh, that new third party social networks could could rise up and have access to these existing social graphs. So this has been a concert, concerted effort for years on the part of these massive networks to suppress any competing social networks, which is why we need regulation, folks. This is what regulation is for. When corporate entities have repeatedly refused to be good citizens of the environment in which they operate, you need the government to step in because it is clear that these corporate entities will not police themselves. Facebook will not start doing the right thing and build out these interoperability APIs. Twitter is not going to just one day wake up, you know, CEO Jack is not going to wake up one day and go, hey, we should open up Twitter and allow anyone on other social networks to follow people on Twitter and vice versa. And we can all just have one big, happy, federated, uh, you know, social networking multiverse. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> It's not happening because that is a direct threat to the ad-driven business model of these large companies. So they're not going to do it, and that's why we need regulation. That's why we need the government to step in and say, hey, on behalf of users, you have to open up. You have to. You cannot keep having this iron grip on online discourse any longer. All right, so uh, we're about at the half hour mark here, which is usually the, the longest we try to make these episodes. So uh, to, to sum this all up, uh, Facebook and Twitter and all these other companies uh, are, are in the middle of, of this watershed moment where we are all asking ourselves, you know, what do we want out of online discourse? Uh, uh, you know, Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is making the case that, you know, we need free speech. We need to celebrate the, the values of free expression. And I agree with that. But the solution isn't to just keep, you know, the status quo of Facebook being this massive network that everyone's forced to be on. And then, you know, people can say what they want, which translates to bad actors abusing these massive networks. Uh, we need uh, we need free expression of social networks. <laughs> there you go. Not just free expression of individuals, but free expression of social networks themselves. That's the solution here. May a thousand networks bloom. And um, that's why we need this interoperability so bad. So I'm very excited about this Access Act. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to become law. I don't know how far it'll go. But but even the fact that such an act exists, that the, the U.S. Senate is starting to do something about this stuff, and it's driving this, you know, this very robust 
discourse at, at uh, tech blogs and everywhere to uh, to talk about what it means to to have uh, social network interoperability. The fact that this is this is a big thing now is truly awesome. I'm very very excited and uh, I I hold out hope that uh, in a year in a couple years maybe uh, I can log into my my little open web dot social mastodon server and see updates from all the folks i follow on twitter that would be divine all right folks that's it for today thanks as always for tuning in if you want to look at the show notes for this episode if you want to look at past episodes it's all there at jaredwhite.com slash podcast and don't forget to go to patreon.com slash essential life jared to become a supporter of the show i would greatly appreciate it Uh, And that's it for today. I will see you next time. Bye. Jared White Show. Jared White Show. He is so cool. And he's also my daddy. Jared White Show, Jerry White Show.